There's this eternal fight for fossil fuels today. We kill many, many more people by using a lot of fossil fuels. Right now, we pay about uh, $12 trillion per year for fossil fuels. Found there are more representatives from the fossil fuel industry than from a single country. Fossil fuels have led to modern society. Either we love it or we hate it or both. The biggest fossil fuel is oil. Oil, in our sense, has been our savior. But at the same time, it's been our biggest enemy. This energy source powers everything from our cars, factories, houses. It's been the underpin of modern society. At the same time, oil has created mass inequality, environmental destruction, military coups, wars, dictatorship, and basically changed the entire political landscape of the Middle East. The story of oil is honestly quite recent, and it's a story filled with innovation as well as cruelty. So it's a story we must understand. For this, we have to go back when we started to use oil in the first place. Up until 200 years ago, the energy source used to sustain humanity was almost entirely derived from renewable resources. Solar energy grew crops that sustained humans, land provided space for cattle to graze, trees provided timber for fire, and ships sailed with the wind. It was the surrounding natural renewable resources that sustained humanity. However, around 1750, coal started to be used as a source of energy. This black and heavy rock was extracted deep from underground, and then it would be burned and the heat would produce energy. This source of energy started to be used to power the production of goods in factories, and the new source of energy also allowed people to move far away from rural lands, which before they needed to live in, to get their sources of energy. People started to move from rural areas and started to conglomerate in cities, which created a new workforce in manufacturing centers. The reliance on coal for heat meant that there needed to be less of a reliance on timber, wood, for heat. Large sources of land, like in the Americas, that used to be preserved for timber were cleared for agricultural production. The agricultural production would either produce food that would be exported to manufacturing centers or agricultural production would produce the raw materials that would be exported and developed in manufacturing centers. So coal did more than simply work as fuel for the Industrial Revolution. No, it provided the land, the people, the raw materials to power the Industrial Revolution. Coal eventually becomes the main source of energy, pushing out the old renewable sources of energy. And eventually, oil becomes the main source of energy. In a way, pushing out coal, but not entirely. Best explained by Professor Stephen Gross from NYU. What happens... Uh, was that in the 20th century, uh, at various moments for different countries, oil surpassed coal as the most important or the largest energy in terms of the amount consumed or the amount used. And there are a lot of reasons why countries and firms and governments turn to oil. There's like the, the cost dimension of why oil skyrockets in the mid 20th century. There's this, um, you know, the, this, this technological block explanation. And then there's, and then there's the political explanation that, that oil is geopolitically important, that both the world wars, World War II more than World War I really underscored to um, politicians and statesmen uh, and leaders 
leaders that oil was important for modern warfare, that modern wars cannot be waged and won without, um, you know, without oil. Essentially, alongside the increase of the automobile industry and the decrease in the price of oil, one of the reasons why oil took off to become the number one energy source was because it was needed during war. On December 7, 1941, Japan, like its infamous Axis partners, struck first and declared war afterwards. Oil powered the vast engine of war. It fed the complex machine that, that turned out tanks, bombs, trucks, ships, and that kept millions of men fed and clothed. Oil became a necessity during wartime. But here's the thing. Oil is scarce. It is not at the disposal of any country who needs it. Oil is only found in certain places, in certain wells. And oil has to be extracted and then transported to be able to be put to use. So what happens if you're a country that does not have oil within its borders? Well, that's exactly what happened during World War II. The Allies, Britain, France, the USA, Russia, they all had lots of oil. The U.S. had oil fields in its territory, and so does Russia. And the British and the French had extensive empires because of colonization. Then they could even get more oil. Now, the Axis powers, on the other hand, mainly Japan and Germany, had no oil. And so Germany had, had no oil. So their main reason why they went towards Stalingrad, which is the kind of epic battle of the Eastern Front, was to get to the oil fields of Soviet Baku, which is um, uh, on the Caspian Sea. And that's, that it explains a lot of kind of the, the strategy on the Eastern Front. In the case of Japan, they, they too were very limited in terms of resources, not only oil, but, you know, but uh, uh, food as well. And so part of the part part of their desire to uh, annex parts of mainland Asia, first parts of Korea, Taiwan, and then Manchuria, were resources. So both the Axis powers have you know m like huge parts of their strategy, and 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 where they decide to attack hinges on where oil is because they need it to run their machines. So World War II became a war of resources, and one of the reasons why Germany was able to last so long is because it developed a synthetic oil industry that they used to power their war efforts. But it wasn't enough. It was expensive to produce, and after some time, the war of the resources drained the Axis to the point where they could not fight anymore. More than ever, World War II taught countries the importance of oil. Without oil, they would be at the mercy of those who do have oil. And oil is also not never-ending. It's a non-renewable resource. It's scarce, and it takes millions of years to make. So the scarcity of oil was on everybody's minds, even in the Americas, even countries that during World War II had oil available. There were constant fears that America itself was running out of oil. Um, kind of a backdrop to this is that oil fields tend to, you know, have have these big booms and gushers, they're, they're called, but then their production declines. And so every five or ten years in American history, it seems like there's kind of these oil scares. Uh, Harold Ix, others in the State Department are concerned that America needs to get non-American oil so they can save their American oil for future wars. And so there's a big push to um, develop... 
what's called concessions in the Middle East. And so the scarcity and fears of running out of oil pushed the world powers to assure that their oil needs would always be met by making sure that their oil could always be supplied by controlling the oiled fields in both South America and the Middle East. The U.S. would enter countries like Guatemala, and Costa Rica to make sure that there was oil concessions, a grant given by the local government to a company to extract and export the oil. And they would make sure that these grants could only be held by Americans. The US, France, and Britain did the exact same thing in the Middle East. They would enter the Middle East and get oil concessions. So on the one hand, we have the oil demanding nations, typically richer with more global power. And then we have the oil supplying nations, typically less developed in the modern sense. If oil supplying powers ever put up a front to the oil demanding powers, easy, bada bing, bada boom, the oil demanding nations would do a little magic. And by that, I mean mess up the local politics to get what they wanted oil. For example, when the Syrian parliament refused to ratify the terms of agreement with the U.S. pipeline company, the CIA organized a coup to put someone more accommodating into power. You can imagine how this trickled down to today. With time, the oil supplying nations gained a sort of agency. In 1973, the oil producing nations, led by Saudi Arabia, set an embargo on the oil demanding nations, UK, US, Canada. This caused an oil shock that created severe economic effects. Professor Jess Ben-Habib at NYU explains how the 1973 oil embargo created a recession. Well, the recession is nothing but a fallen output, a sudden fallen out. So when oil became unavailable, a lot of industries had to cut their uh, production back. This contaminated the whole economy because oil was used extensively as an input by many industries and uh, substitutes were not easily available. So the rise in the prices of oil created a rise in the prices of producing goods, which not only created inflation, but it led to reduction of output, which caused a recession. The grip of oil had not only political and economic consequences, but it had detrimental environmental ones. A major oil spill off the coast is being called a potential ecological disaster. It's now confirmed that 12,000 barrels of oil leaked into the sea. Not only the worst oil spill in U.S. history, it's by far the largest. So it's kind of insane. Oil not only powers your car, but it led to social, political, economic and environmental consequences that make up the modern day. So my question to you is, do you think we will ever be able to escape its grip? Well, this is the end of the episode. If you liked it or you have any stories that you want me to cover, let me know. DM me on Instagram or TikTok. Yours truly, Valeria. Cuervo, 